Hi, it's Karen from See Me, Hear Me, Love Me, the podcast for parents of young children. And we want to share your stories and all those crazy, contradictory feelings that come with being a parent. We believe in you. You got this, even on the craziest of days. And you are most definitely not alone. Hey, listeners. The host of this podcast wants you to celebrate the messiness of life with kids. That means we don't need an expert to explain our kids to us. We just need to sit back so we can truly see, hear, and love our kids. My family has been lucky enough to attend B'nai Torah, where Karen's enthusiasm and joy for all aspects of parenting has been a breath of fresh air and always gives us hope that we can do it. Karen Deerwester believes that when we see, hear, and love the messy moments of life with kids, we're able to give our children everything they need. Karen has been a teacher, author, and a leader in early childhood education for decades. And there is nothing, nothing that doesn't make sense if we take time to connect with each child exactly where they are and right where we are with all of our messiness too. Here's today's podcast. Today's podcast is Looking Forward Together into 2019. I'm very excited to be sitting at the square table today with my favorite people, People who inspire me and steer me regularly towards hope, purpose, and meaning. There's nothing I'd love more for parents and podcast listeners to know that they are heading into a new year with the love and support of caring people around them. You already know that we strive to make family time a magical bubble that protects and nurtures children and families. That everyone who comes through our door, sits on our floor, and laughs, sings, and plays with us each week feels safe making mistakes, taking chances, and being brave enough to be themselves. Whether they are a child figuring out themselves and the world, or whether they are a parent trying to do their best in an overwhelming and stressful world. But as you also know, family time is part of something bigger. It's part of B'nai Torah Congregation and a partner with the Ruth and Edward Taubman Early Childhood Center. So today I invited Senior Rabbi David Steinhardt and Early Childhood Director Naomi Gordon I want them to share their vision looking forward. What gives them hope and purpose as they create this special community for families to feel connected and less alone? Rabbi Steinhardt, you understand the needs of young parents and the value that communities like ours have to offer. What's your message for young parents looking forward? And welcome. Thanks a lot. And Karen, thanks uh, for all that you do, that you bring to the table. Just this introduction and the questions that you raise are everybody's questions. And so it's so nice that you have the capacity to articulate them as you do. So it's interesting to note or important to note that you titled this Looking Forward Together. So as we look forward, we know that we bring uh, a wealth of knowledge and understanding from the past. But we also bring... um, uh, a lot of the, the uncertainties of the past. And yet we know that we have to take that past and we have to move forward with it. And the uncertainties uh, that we have, both in terms of what we do as, as parents um, and also in the broader context, you know, what this world is about, um, need, speaks to us to find a path that I think we need to do together. Yeah. So that it's that idea of being able to share the questions that we have, and to share the challenges that we have, and to do it within the framework of a community 
that's so important. B'nai Torah is a huge place. But what we've developed over the years are a lot of subcultures and sub-communities, hopefully bringing people together to confront whatever their challenges are and to, con- and to speak about and to be support to each other. Um, in those challenges. So and there's the Jewish piece. Like what what you bring to me a big comfort because of Jewish tradition, of Torah study, of suffering that we know how to do this. Thanks. For each other. So in that I think what what the what Judaism and what the Torah tradition does for me is it it defines in broad strokes uh, the values that are to guide us and also the, the way we are to think about who we are, what we are, um, how we confront the world itself. So when you were saying that, you know, what I was thinking about is the fact that this Jewish thing is really at its core about a community. So we have this notion of Brit or covenant. The covenant is about... Um, the relationship with God, but not just the individual's relationship with God. It's about the community's relationship with God. So first and foremost, I think we're challenged to create these communities that face what our what life has to give us. Okay, I'm going to come back to that um, because what I what I know with family time being here is that it's different than when it was just a program for young children that was back then birth to four and a secular program. Now, the threads that that reach out to those connections to support through all the programming, um, as we talked about summer and tzedakah and, you know, and, and celebrations and holidays and watching my children grow into the early childhood program and then grow into the religious school program. And then to hear the stories of my parents who were married here or on and on and on and on. I mean, those threads are deep. But I want to give it to Naomi because you are so much a part of creating that safe space for parents and for families in their very immediate needs of early childhood. So welcome, welcome. Thank you, thank you. And thank you for having me today. I feel, um, I just have to say this, I feel so honored to sit with the two of you because I've been in this world before I came to B'nai Torah and I have actually been to your services before, Rabbi, but also heard so many amazing things about the family time program here at B'nai Torah. And to just have the honor to be a part of this and to be even a part of this podcast is mind. Um, it's just it's just amazing. It's just amazing. So thank and you for having We have the power to do great yeah. things for families. I mean, that's that's what's remarkable. So so I wrote down a couple words when, when Rabbi was speaking, and one of the things he says is this huge place and then and the word community and when i was first coming here back in july i knew i was going to this huge place and this community um that was huge and everyone that knew i was coming here says oh my gosh you're going to a huge place but it feels so small when you're here and it's because there's such a um hamish is the word i come up with but such in in jewish talk um but such a warm and inviting feeling because it's not just a community it's not a huge place it is not a school it's truly a place where you feel like you're part of a family 
And I, and I believe that in order to send your child, especially in early childhood education, to that place that, um, that not only educates them but embraces them and who they are, you have to feel like you're walking into a home, yeah. not into a, um, a school, yeah. into an industrial school. And this huge place is really wrapped so tightly and such a warm place that um, it, it really, uh, we give ourselves almost a, a little reputation of being huge, yet we're, we're, so, we're so tight and we're so, we're so warm. And, 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 and does that make sense? It does. And, you, and, and that's the next place I want to take this because it is, for as big as it is, and for the vision and for the, the, the goals and, the, and, and, and purpose that we bring to this table, it's still very specific and very, very personal. And so I'm going to ask each of you a very personal question, and that is what you want personally for people and especially young families to feel and know going forward into this very specific new year 2019 what what do you want it's because all that you do every day is informed by that personal personal vision you have and and desire that you have for families so I will say that um, 2019 is going to be really exciting here because we are bringing in an infant-toddler suite to our school. So we're growing our school. And learning begins um, before birth. And you know this, Karen, as, as, a, as a very young educate of young children. And it, it, learning happens before birth. So bringing this um, infant-toddler center into our school, to me, is so exciting because we are going to start working with these children with their with their um, with their future lives here at B'nai Torah at at you know close to birth at okay, two I'm gonna, months. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to be a little bit more. I okay. really want to take that one more step deeper, and that is, yes, we are going to provide services. We are going to provide ease and 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 a need fulfilled. What's the emotional piece that says? I get the stress, anxiety, overwhelmed of families, and we are here for you. Oh, my goodness. So I actually met with a parent yesterday whose child started with me in, a, in another school at eight weeks, and she said, I was so happy to give her to you. And she said, because I knew that when I walked out the door, I could go to work. She's a pharmacist. I could go to work and get my job done. And you were going to love and nurture this child. But the, this child at the age of two or three months is beginning their Jewish education. And they're beginning their social education. And they're, they're learning to, to know that there's people other than their, than their parents that are going to love them and hold them and honor them. And in the early childhood world, um, especially working Jewishly in a synagogue, it's so important that they begin their education I believe at eight weeks, if necessary, for the parent, and that they grow either through our program um, in the in the school side through family time, um, but that they continue to grow and that they love learning and growing socially Jewishly, and to feed this. and And this isn't a promotional join my synagogue thing, but. But the children don't want to leave the early childhood center 
and they want to stay in the synagogue because our rabbi comes to services every Friday morning. They know, um, they see Miss Kathy in the hallways. They know that they're part of this, this synagogue family. We got you. We got you. We've got your back. We've got, we're there to hold your hand. Rabbi, looking forward, what's that, what do you want? And how do you piggyback on all of this? It's about um, continuing what we see as the as essential values here. So that I th- I think in this world, you know, the first thing is that this place has to feel safe. So we we invest a lot of money, for example, in security. I mean, it's that's just it's a responsibility that we have. So when parents bring their kids to this building, synagogues aren't necessarily safe places anymore, unless they're properly guarded. So it has to do with that. And then it's just to stand the. And secu- I'm gulping over here. I mean, just that just gulp of, of what parents fear and face. What everybody yeah fears and, uh, and faces out there. I understand that parents, you know, want don't don't want to drop their kids off in a place where they feel just by virtue of being there they're going to be at risk. But I want to just stay on the security thing for a second because then the, the there's another piece in that that has to do with the security guards themselves. And this isn't a, an institution where the security guards are like separate from our mission. They're part of it. And so the people who are doing that work are, are friendly and they're accessible. And I see to it with other people in leadership here that they're treated with respect. And so that I have these wonderful relationships with the security guards here. And in some ways, I feel as close to them as I do to any other staff member or anybody else that comes here. So that sets a tone for the community. It does. And if I can just interrupt you, our children jump into their arms (laughs) when they walk in the building. And that's priceless. It is. Because they've learned to, to... to grow and trust our community helpers. And um, it's beautiful, but please... You know, the model in some ways is is reflective of uh, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Truly, These are the the people in our neighborhood, and all of them need to be understood. All of them need to be heard. All of... We need a relationship with everyone. By the way, for me, then, so as the senior rabbi and kind of sitting on the top of this pyramid... um, when we talked about it being really large, that's what creates a lot of challenges because there's a lot of people coming in and out of the building. We've estimated in the month of January, in the month of February, sometimes there is as many as 30,000 people coming in and out. That's with our concerts and our services. Not 30,000 different people, but so so there's, you know, I know a guy here who comes here 10 days a week. You know, he's, he's back and forth all the time. So that goes into the number. But we, we have those numbers. So... That's where the great challenge is, and that is to know people's names. In that, I've, I've learned something else over the years, and that is that uh, when I first came to B'nai Torah, it was a relatively new synagogue in a community that was really growing rapidly. And so many of the people that came here, no, I correct myself, every adult who was here was born someplace else. So it provided an unusual challenge because nobody felt it was their home. Everybody felt like they were visiting a home. And so over the years, what I've wanted to do is to kind of create a consciousness that says, this is my home too. So everyone not only is a visitor here, everyone is not only coming in here to use our services, be they services or be they schools and, or lectures or programs or whatever, 
but I, I want everyone to feel it's their home too. And so that then everybody has the kind of responsibility not only to feel that someone's got to welcome them, but they have to welcome people too. We are all a part of the ownership of B'nai Torah congregation, and I think that was a, that's an important message. Very quickly, I'll tell you that one of my pet peeves on Saturday mornings, which is mostly older people, are, is to see people who save seats, and then a stranger will come in and try to sit in a seat, and the person next to that, and sitting next to that empty seat will say, you can't sit here, I'm saving that seat. And so what I've pointed out to them is you have to see this as, as your living room. And if you had a guest coming into your living room, you would never say to the person, you can't sit there, that's my seat. You would say, welcome to my home. They welcome, no strangers. To, welcome to my living room, have a seat. And so that's just like what we have to do on every level with all generations. And the younger people... Um, well, although there are some people now who I see bringing their kids here that I saw when they were little kids, and that's very fulfilling and really nice. There are other people that are coming to B'nai Torah for the first time, and I want them to sit, to feel when they walk in here, I'm home. Yeah, yeah. and it is truly a home. And it is, it, uh, what I'm thinking as you're talking about is just that openness and that trust, that sense of belonging. When I walk in the door, I belong here because... It, let's, you tell me about belonging. Um, how does someone know before they walk in the door that they have, a, that, they have that seat, that they have a place? They don't. It, it, has, to take, it has to take time. They right? have to take the risk of walking they in. Have to, they have to come in first, and they have to come here, and they have to become comfortable with who's here and what's here and what's provided. And, you know, so it, that's, you know, relationships take time. Yeah. And so this is something that we build over time. And that when you come here with infants, you know, four-month-olds or three-year-olds, and, and if it's your first time here, it does take time to feel that connection. I guarantee if you're open to wanting that connection, you're going to find it. And we're committed. People like Naomi and the rest of the people who work here, yourself and all of us, you know, we're committed to that. Yesterday I had put a post up on Facebook. Uh, we were welcoming a brand-new teacher to our school, and you commented on it. Um, what was really very interesting was this, many of our staff had commented and some of our parents and and what they wrote well, almost every person wrote was welcome to our home mm. not welcome to mm. our school not right. at all right. and there were hearts and smile faces and emojis and and this is the world we live in now with with social media but the teacher said to me I've never seen anything like this everybody's mm. so welcoming and I said, just wait, you're in for the most incredible ride because this is not, you worked in schools before, now you're going to work in a very different home. And, and she was like, I'm just so happy. And, and she kept thanking me. And um, I'm thrilled because that's, that's the environment that we, that we all crave and need and our children need it so much. In this world, go ahead. In, in the Talmud, so going back thousands of years, uh, there's a rabbi who's referring to his wife, and he says the words, Lo karati ishti, ishti karati la beiti. I never called my wife my wife, rather I've always called her my home. And it's such a beautiful line, because it speaks not only to the, you know, the power of relationship and the power of love and a marital relationship, but it but but it can be expanded to mean any relationship, so that home is that place where you feel love. 
Home is that place where you give love and where you receive love. So what you're describing, Naomi, is really wonderful, that that's what you want, you know, people to say, welcome, welcome to our home or welcome home to the new teacher. And I also, as you were saying it, I thought about it in another way, too, and that is, you know, all of us are so deeply concerned about the meaning of, of um, the Internet, the meaning of Facebook, the meaning of relationships that take place in cyberspace, and what's missing in those relationships. And this is a perfect example of, of how, um, was it through Facebook that, mm -hmm. you know, the, so how, you know, Facebook on one hand can provide the platform for the expression, but it wouldn't be felt if people didn't get together in flesh and blood. So here's a case where, you know, you're trying to use Facebook to enhance your community, but the community takes place in a physical space, and that's here. Yeah. Right. I, I, and... I, and I think, I mean, that's something that I love about us. Because as Naomi's talking, it's like, I mean, what comes to my mind first is pride. I mean, there's just so much pride to be a part of this community. But, but that the idea that when we do Shabbat or, or when you're sharing your classes on media, we see that it starts with this real experience, this real event, and then we make it last longer and we we have something to hold on to that reminds us that it's real because in this world where things can be so transient and one moment gives into the next, to be able to hold on to a memory in a, in a photo or in a, in, a, in a phrase on social media does make it real in a way that I'm willing to give assent to. Um, to, to Rabbi's point, and then I, and then I have a, a, a hard question for you maybe, but when you say, you know, that your partner is your home or, or this this experience is, is home, you know, the word that comes to my mind that, I, that I've been hearing a lot, I, just one of those words that's floating out in the world is squishy. You know, there's something squishy about heart and home and vulnerability that I kind of love. And it's, and it's not the hardness or the, the rigidity of um, what we often think of as institutions or commitments, but it's, it's just soft and squishy. But, but now a harder question what do, you, what do you worry about personally um, looking at young families going forward into 2019? So as, as we think of what we want for them, I think we also have to embrace the, uh, the because the, that's our mission, is to be there through the, uh, the hard stuff. What's your, what, what do you worry about for young families? And, and because that's personal for you as well as um, professional, rather. Yeah, it's... It's deeply personal for Naomi and myself and so many of us and anyone who has children or grandchildren. So I have two wonderful little grandchildren and my daughter Gabrielle's going to have a baby, God willing, in June. <laughs> right? So um, the hope and the and so, anxiety. You know, it does come with some other worries, I think, that are a bit different than previous generations. And that those are connected to the political instability that we're feeling and the implications of that, as well as the environmental instability and the major occurrences that are taking place that where there's such huge shifts in people's lives can be totally, you know, uh, turned upside down or even destroyed so quickly. So, you know, I worry about the those things that any parent worries about for their children, that they're safe and that they're healthy and 
that they are protected, um, and that they're given all the right opportunities. And then I worry also about those the, those big forces in the world that we don't have that much control over. Over, so it it points to this the whole issue of, of vulnerability, and that uh, by being alive, you're you're vulnerable. And we deal with vulnerability in a number of different ways and being productive and doing, you know, doing good things and being faithful, having so, holding on to hope. You know, all of that is really important. And then engaging in the activities that help, you know, improve the world. And so that's a part of the program that here we have. Right, these, it's, we have these programs that help improve the world. The greatest antidote to the to the ugliness of the political conversation or the treatment of minorities, others, immigrants, is to get engaged in work that helps people who are in need. So that's something, you know, that we try to provide in relation to the thinking of what's happening in the world. Yeah, so we're not blind and we're not um, separate. We are very much in the muck and the mud together. Yeah, and I would say that um, social pressures, I'll go back to social media again. When you see even our pictures on social media, our children only have fun. And we don't put up their tears, and we don't we don't embrace that, that the world's <laughs> not perfect. Hold your thought, yes. because you have a mom in the program who has one of the best family portraits yes. ever done. Okay. And and I said to her, I think we're just going to have to start like, a wall of no shame um, somewhere here that's very vis- visible that, that that honors and celebrates the, the teary, frustrating, challenging moments. Exactly. But, yeah, I mean, so the social we, pressures are... You know, it looks like everyone's got the perfect family and the perfect children, and their children don't behave like my children, but they're children, and they all learn through, you know, trial and error. That's what they're doing. So I think, um, you know, the challenge is for the parents, I believe more than anything, is to say, take a deep breath. And when your child has a day that's not filled with um, perfect joy and perfect pictures and, and they just want to just sit quietly alone embrace that too and if you see a picture that shows your child sitting by him or herself say wow they're independent and that they've got this um don't always assume that um because they greet you with tears that they're sad they could be happy and um the world isn't perfect and i think that um that you know, looking at 2019, if I could give any advice to our families, it's to say that life is imperfect and it's perfectly imperfect, and that that marriages have challenges, and children have challenges, and teachers have challenges, and rabbis and directors and family time guru. That's what you are. We all have challenges, and and our lives aren't perfect either. And just to um, you know, take a step back and take a deep breath and know that um. That we're on this roller coaster ride together, and that we're going to help you through it. So, if there is an imperfection, or if there is something that you need, that we are as as this pulling this podcast together, we are a community. And you know, you come to Karen, or you come to Naomi, and you say this is going on, and I say, well, maybe you could talk to Rabbi about it, um, because we all do work together as one big team, and we all have our place on the team, and it's so important. That you that that we all know that um, that 
we're all here together to help each other. Well, and back full circle, I mean, I know you two give me my hope and optimism. So I, I want to respond a little bit to that. First, with a little personal anecdote, and that is when I applied for this position um, in Boca Raton at Benetori Congregation a little more than 25 <laughs> years ago, my kids were 13 and 11 and 4 or 5. And we were coming from Ohio, and um, my kids were, like, they often wore, like, clothes that were grass-stained, and they had sneakers that were dirty. And um, they were sometimes messy. And I came here, and I remember seeing kids who were, like, coming from their prep schools, and they were, like, so neat and so well put together and so clean and scrubbed, and (laughs) they were beautiful. But I was worried about bringing my kids into this environment. And it's not because I didn't feel they could match up to it. It's because I wanted them to feel good with being dirty. And you understand what I mean by that? Yeah, yeah. absolutely, a thousand percent. So then, but on a, in a bigger way, as, as a rabbi, I see a lot of pain. <clears throat> and I hear from a lot of couples who are having a lot of trouble, you know. And I see kids who are uh, in a lot of pain. And I minister to sick people, and everybody is going to be sick at some point, and that's, uh, you know, you live long enough anyway. And I also officiate at funerals, and 20, 37 years as a rabbi, I've had my share of funerals. And it's, there's, uh, there's darkness in this world. It's not all light. It's not, and I don't want to pretend that it's all light. I think it's because of the darkness in the world and the dark places in all of us, and we all have them, that it that I want to create this place where there's um, kindness, softness, and what did you refer to it? Squishiness. Mm-hmm. It's not to say that we're, we're going to run from that stuff. Yeah. It's that we're going to be in that stuff without running away from it. Stop thinking everything has to be perfect. You know, one should stop thinking that their kid has to get all A's and get into the best school possible. What, what we need is like to be socially adjusted. What we need is to have comfort with ourselves, and not only pride in what we do well, but also uh, understanding that it's okay that we sometimes, that, not sometimes, that we often, that we make mistakes, that we fail, that our kids can show up with dirty shirts, and it was like we just didn't have time yeah. to change them without being judged. So that goes to the other thing, you know, and that, this is hard because I represent a religious tradition, but people are just too judgmental of each other, and there has to be just greater acceptance of each other and difference. Especially in yeah. this world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I could end the podcast right there because I think that is what we all want going forward is to be able to embrace the pain and to be there for one another through dark and hardship and not to be not to let the fear not to let the loneliness of those moments because that's what I believe is the crisis for young families is feeling that you're alone and so I always want this mantra for the podcast to be you got this you can do you know that old Winnie the Pooh. You're braver than you believe. You wait. It's up on the board here. You you you're braver than you believe. Stronger than you seem. Smarter than you think. But not because you are, but because feeling that 
is the thing that pulls you out of that darkness. But more than just, you got this, you're not alone, and that we got you. So let's just do the wrap-up. Rabbi and Naomi, um, how have you got this? Because you are extraordinary human beings, and you are extraordinary leaders supporting, guiding, and 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 leading, helping us all go forward into a new year. Naomi, I'm gonna let you go first so that Rabbi gets the big wrap up. <laughs> so I guess um, what I had said before, I will just say that I am perfectly imperfect, and that I look forward to a perfectly imperfect new year to come with our families. I hope to grow personally and professionally with the families and with the children. And I pray for health more than everything in the new year. Um, and, and that we all get through whatever it is together. And, and as you said, Rabbi, to continue to embrace each other for who we are and to love who we are and to hold back the judgment and, and work forward in, in making things that much more of a better place. And I know everybody feels her smiles and her hugs coming right through. <laughs> um, it is who she is. Rabbi, how have you got this? There was a uh, time in, my, in the development of my career as a rabbi that was transformational. And it was a moment where I realized that uh, I don't have to have the, all the answers or that I don't have all the answers, more importantly. It's just stuff I don't know. And finding some comfort in the uncertainty and an understanding of that was really important. I'll say that, you know, religiously, theologically, yeah. the whole notion of God, anyone that tells you that they know what God is, you know, they're, they're um, charlatans, nobody knows. And that's the whole thing about, you know, aspiring to something, is that we try to get someplace, but we're just, we're traveling together on that on that road and on that journey. So I'd say that uh, being able to come with our uncertainty and our questions and being able to support each other in that is really, that's that's the big, big uh, challenge as we move into 2019. Nobody I'm happier to travel with. Thank you for being a part of this. Thanks, happy Karen. 25th uh, anniversary of the Nate's Horror Rabbi. Thank you. And happy new year. So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. Seeing little people learn and grow. Listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey. Loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules, you write your story. We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know you got this. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Wait, 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 one more thing. If you liked our podcast, please tell a friend. Or even better, write us a review at iTunes. We'd also like to invite you to join us on Facebook. That's with me, Karen Deerwester. And check out the parenting resources at FamilyTimeInc.com. You'll also find us on Twitter at, at FamilyTimeInc and Instagram at Karen underscore FamilyTime. Thanks for listening today. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this wonderful space. Thanks to Darren Littman for the great intro. And thanks to the front and the follow for the song Listen. We are listening. See you next week. <laughs>